This evening we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 at the beginning. So please turn to Luke chapter 19. And as you're turning there, I want to focus on a particular truth for us as believers under the new covenant. So Christ came and he died on the cross. He took our sins. He rose again from the dead. And that's what we're remembering during this time of the year. But uh, uh, along with that, there is something that he has done for us in conjunction with our salvation. And so I want to look at some verses. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And, and that is the point that I want to kind of bring out at the beginning tonight. You are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The next passage says the same thing. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. And then a third time, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So Jesus comes down from the Mount of Olives, and he's riding on this donkey, and the people are waving the palm branches, and they're laying down their coats, and they're singing praises to, the, to him. Hosanna is the king in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Praise be to the king. So he comes down and he enters into Jerusalem. And the first thing that he does when he enters Jerusalem is he goes to the temple and he cleanses it. So in Luke chapter 19, verses 45 through 48 say this. It says, Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written... My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So he comes into the temple, and they had defiled the temple, basically. They were buying and selling, and it was an illegitimate practice that they were engaging in there at the temple. So Jesus coming in, he, he beholds the temple. The temple is the place where it, ought, where, where it ought to be a house of prayer. But instead, they are doing these other things. So uh, we're focusing on this house of prayer. And our first point this evening is this. Do not defile the house of prayer like they were. So they came, he came, and he cleansed out the temple from this defiling that was taking place. They had changed it from what it was meant to be. They had made it a den of thieves. Now, the phrase den of thieves comes from the book of Jeremiah, and the house of prayer comes from, I think, Isaiah. These are two uh, passages from the Old Testament. The people, uh, especially the Pharisees, they would have been aware of this. They question the authority in the next chapter by which he cleanses the temple. Uh, and and uh, we might look at that or not, but you can look at it in, in chapter 20. But he has the authority to come in. He has the authority to clear out the temple. Now, now here's what happens uh, in these verses that we considered at the, the beginning. When salvation comes to us, we become the temple of God. And in a sense, Jesus has come into this house and cleansed it of all of the sin by which it was defiled. And so this is a, a real important truth. While Jesus on this earth, goes into the physical temple that was standing after that time and cleanses it. That is kind of foreshadowing the cleansing that is going to take place for each and every believer who becomes the temple of God 
And so he comes into our lives and he cleanses us from that. But even more than that, there is this ongoing duty and responsibility that we now have not to allow the defiling things to come into this temple and thus uh, displease God. So in one of those verses that we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, if we continue to read the next verse, it says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, he's he's writing to believers here. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Now, that's pretty strong language there. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So, in other words, here we are. We have been made this temple by the new life that Jesus Christ has given us. And there is this ongoing responsibility to not defile it, to keep it pure. After all, God dwells there. And so I think it be, uh, becomes us to make sure that we maintain this body in holiness. Now, I know a lot of people make a, they turn to these passages that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, the temple of the Holy Spirit, when they're talking about, you know, you should, you should, eat, and, you know, you should eat and drink healthy, health, in a healthy manner. Because after all, this is the temple of, of God. And so you don't want to destroy this body and, uh, and I, by what you eat or drink. And I'm sure that there's some truth to that, but I think that there is a more direct uh, uh, care that we need to take in defiling this. I I don't think we ought to allow any unwholesome thoughts or ideas or philosophies or just just the things of the world. I I mean, there's a whole lot of unwholesomeness going on out there, and I don't think it's appropriate for us as believers to uh, engage in these things and allow them to come into our minds. Uh, as a computer programmer, this was years and years and years ago, uh, they, they, you probably heard these phrases, but um, they coined these phrases with the, how data moves. So one of them was, you know, first in and first out, or first in and last out, and, and uh, it kind of came to uh, this common phrase, garbage in, gar- garbage out, right? You heard of that? So it's the same sort of thing. You know, if you're, if you allow garbage to keep on coming in through your eyes and your ears and through your senses. And if the garbage is coming in, then, you know, it's going to defile this temple of God. And that's what's going to be present. Out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? You know, so it's, it's just kind of that thing. In one of these passages that talks about the temple of the Holy Spirit, it is not talking about food and drink. It is talking about engaging in immorality, some kind of sexual immorality. And he says, look, you are the temple of God. Do not engage in immorality. And so um, apart from the food and the drink, I don't think that that's the main concern. The main concern, I think, is the, the things that we allow ourselves to engage with in, with these bodies. So you can't go anywhere you want. You can't watch anything you want. You can't allow yourself to think anything that you want. You are to keep this temple holy. Do not defile it. So that's our first point. The second point is this. Pray in the house of prayer. So he says, Jesus does, he says, you have turned my house. He says, it is written, my house is a house of prayer. So this is a a very important thing. The, the The people were supposed to come to the temple and they were to be able to engage in a worship or a communication or a fellowship with God. The house was a house of prayer. 
And so, of course, when you have all of this other stuff going on, it doesn't allow the prayer aspect of it or the worship aspect to, to take place. It, it is a distraction um, for the people. And so all of this distraction, they were to put it aside. Instead, they were to be able to come to this temple and to pray. Now, I'd like for us to turn to 1 Kings at this point. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. What we find in 1 Kings chapter 8 is the account where Solomon builds his temple. This is the first established, immovable, primary temple that has been constructed. Prior to Solomon's building the temple, the temple, or the temple was not a temple at all. It was a tabernacle which was movable. And so it had, you know, they had uh, hauled it through the wilderness as they came out of the land of Egypt. And even when they came into the land, and even King David, when he was worshiping God, there wasn't this building that they went to. They, he went to this tabernacle. But it was Solomon who built the temple. And as he's dedicating this temple, notice what he says. I'm going to start reading. This is 1 Kings chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading verse 27. He says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward this place of which you said, My name shall be there that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants. Condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. Verse 35, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as an, as an inheritance. And he goes on and on. I'm not going to read any more, but he goes on. Solomon does in this dedication prayer. He keeps saying this. If the people do this and they pray, hear them and forgive. When they do this and they pray in this temple, hear them and forgive. When this happens to them and they come and they pray to you in this temple, hear them and forgive. And he just keeps on going like that. And, and that is what this uh, temple back then was meant to represent. It was the presence of God. It represented the presence of God. I mean, he's, it's a representation of the presence of God. He, he says several times, you know, hear from heaven. You know, so there's no, there's no doubt that in Solomon's mind and in the mind of the people, as they're thinking rightly, that it's not like God is going to come and dwell completely in this earthly temple. 
it, he understands it is a representation of the heavenly temple. But, but that is the cry. Hear the prayers when they make them hear. Hear them from heaven and forgive. And so the temple is meant to be a place of prayer. It represented the presence of God. And so coming to the temple was like coming to God and praying and asking for his, him to hear and to forgive and to act. Now, we don't have to go to a temple anymore. Why? Because we are the temple of God. And so we have access to the presence of God right where we're at. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to make a trek to Jerusalem, and we don't have to you know, go anywhere else uh, in order to gain access to, the, to uh, the presence of God. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, and he rose again, and we received forgiveness. He forgave us. He transposed us into this temple. He comes and he dwells. The Holy Spirit is there present within us, and we can just fall down wherever we're at and have direct access to God. We pray because we are the temple, and that's where he is. We pray to him, and we ask for him to hear and to forgive and to act. So, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of God. And with this temple, let us fall down on our knees and offer our prayers to him continually. All right, let's pray and we'll have our final song. Oh Lord God, we thank you for this account in which you came to the temple and you cleansed it of uh, the sinful practices that were taking there. And uh, you reminded the people that it was a house of prayer and that they were to come there to worship. And so, Lord, we thank you for the tremendous work that you have done on our behalf. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We thank you for making us your temple. We pray, O oh Lord, first of all, that you would help us not to defile this temple with the allurements and the temptations and the, uh, the sinful things of the world. Help us not to defile this temple, but help us to turn our attention to you and you alone. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would cleanse any unwholesome thing that is not pleasing to you. And secondly, I pray, O oh Lord God, that we would fall on our knees and that we would offer up prayer to you. We know you tell us in your word that we are to pray without ceasing. And so help us, Lord, to pray to you in this temple that you have made or with this temple that you have made, with your presence right there with us. And so we fall before you and we offer our prayers to you. Hear us and answer us swiftly and act for the glory of your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can go and stand.